the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel, your host, Brendan Glasheen, joined by Brandon Anderson and Jill Gallant. Jill is back this week for the recap show. NFL divisional round recap episode. Coming to you on Sunday night. A little earlier start for us on the record time because of the earlier uh, 6.30 start, Dallas and San Francisco. That game just wrapped up. Let's not waste any time. We'll dive in. So just to kind of get you folks set here, we will dissect the four games, the two from Saturday, two from tonight, and then we'll do the not so much super anymore, but we'll call it super. A lot to pick apart in the two conference title games coming your way next Sunday. So that's on the way. The super hot read. We'll still call it the super hot read. Two games. It means it's super. Okay, we're going to let Jill go first here because Dallas falls 19-12 to the San Francisco 49ers. Niners cover three and a half. Unders hit across the board. That's the theme of the night. All unders after the over went five and one last week. Jill, your thoughts on Dallas. Your Dallas Cowboys season comes to an end. Yeah, I mean, you could have told me that I was in a coma for the last year and then woke up and it was the exact same result as last year. Like, it basically played out the nearly the same way. Uh, costly penalties, poor clock management, bad play calls. Uh, just another typical season ender uh, for the Cowboys. And, you know, we saw two Dak interceptions in the first half and the Cowboys got pretty lucky. Uh, the fact they only resulted really in six points was a miracle. And it was a miracle that the Cowboys were only down by three at halftime, even though they did get the early touchdown to Dalton Schultz. But the turning point in this game was losing Tony Pollard, at least from a Cowboys better perspective. If you had a plus four ticket and you saw Tony Pollard go down on the field, you had to feel just like I did as a fan where you just feel like there is no hope because that is the most explosive player on the Cowboys sorely needed in those check down spots when the defensive line was just overrunning that Cowboys offensive line. Um, even D'Amico Ryan's like had mentioned like in pregame that Tony Pollard was the one that they were game planning for like him and CD lamb. But the 49ers, the one thing I will give them credit for is in the fourth quarter, two double-digit drives to really just kind of seal this game. Ten plays, 91-yard touchdown drive. You had to have a couple lucky bounces go their way. You had the George Kittle bobble catch. You know, you had a dropped interception by Trayvon Diggs in the end zone. You know, uh, Christian McCaffrey was untouched to walking into the end zone. And then they had another 11-play drive to basically seal the game. And then McCarthy decides, you know what? We got two and a half minutes left. We got three timeouts. Let's just punt it. You know, I bet you our defense could hold it. No, clearly you guys are gas and you got to let this go. Uh, you got to go. I know it's fourth and 10. I know you're in your own territory, but anybody with an eye test would have saw that there was no way that you could let your defense go back out there on the field. So uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that you just kind of, 
as a Cowboys fan, I'm not going to be too disappointed because I feel like the defense, they held up their end of the bargain. Like I know they gave up 19 points, but a lot of that was more short field. Like they didn't really give the Niners any easy looks, especially like in that fourth quarter. So the Cowboys just couldn't get it done. And uh, yeah, it should be very interesting to see if Mike McCarthy is still the head coach of this team next year. Wow. You're going there, huh? Yep. Even after a win against, against the Bucks, Sean Payton. Wow. Putting we'll it out there, there now. Well, we, the, unless there's news that breaks here in the next 12 hours, they, they better credit get here first. If you hear it, very good. They better get, they better yeah, get you're the moving. first one. First, first to ever mention the idea of Sean Payne to the Cowboys. Congratulations. He's never had any affiliation with the Cowboys ever in his career. So <laughs> I think there couldn't be any reason why we could connect those dots. So you're right. This game played out very similarly to last year. I would argue the quarterback draw at the end of last year's game was way worse than not punting the ball with a little more urgency to uh, allow San Francisco to run more plays before the two-minute warning. But yes, when Pollard went out, you got the feeling like it it checks another box that the Zeke contract never made any sense because Zeke can't catch it and run like Pollard. Not to say that that was ever an expectation of Zeke, but they even lined up Zeke at one point later in that game as a receiver at the bottom of the screen, watching that game through. Um, Dak throws the two picks, as you mentioned. San Francisco, Brandon, made more 50-50 plays in this game. You have the George Kittle bobble catch. Diggs could have had a pick in the red zone, came up empty on that deflected ball by the Dallas front. Um, And Brock Purdy did just enough, found McCaffrey a few times over the middle, to move the chains, especially in the second half. Yeah, Purdy just enough, and and really Dak not enough. That was kind of the story. I, I think Purdy was the better quarterback in this game, and you can't let that happen if you're Dak Prescott. Two interceptions honestly felt like there were three or four others that any one of them could have been. We had a near pick six where he telegraphed it near the end of the game. That would have basically ended the season. Yep. Like the, There were other chances there. Honestly... I think Joe, I think you're being a little too hard on the Cowboys. It's your team, so you're you're allowed. I, I kind of feel like in a way it's 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 fine. It's it's like refreshing for the Cowboys just to lose to the better team. No tragic scramble that ran the clock out, like no bobbled extra point Tony Romo snap. The, the all the Cowboys endings are some ludicrous, like somebody's been working all season in the writers' room to come up with it. This was just, hey, you know what? The defense was fantastic. I think as well as you possibly could have hoped Dallas' defense to play, especially after those two turnovers, like you said. Niners' defense was great, too. Just lost to the better team. The Niners are really good, and the Cowboys, honestly, I thought were as good or better through about three quarters until those late Niners drives that kind of just took over. And suddenly it was like, oh, yeah, the line has taken over. They're running the ball. Dallas can't get back on the field. And yeah, a, a little wonky to punt the ball away late after you've just given up those two drives. The, the key stat for me, Dallas, 17 early down runs, negative 0.31 EPA per play. Obviously, a lot of that had to go on Ezekiel Elliott, who just isn't it anymore. 10 carries for 26 yards. That's been Dallas. They're the run heaviest team in the whole playoffs. They put themselves in the hole early, and then here's the bad combo. Not only that, late down passing, negative 0.53 EPA per play. So you dug a hole early with the run game. Now you're on second and eight. Now you're on third and six. 
and Dak didn't bail him out. And honestly, Purdy got the ball out a little bit better than he did on a late down. So I feel like that was kind of the difference there. Uh, we didn't mention too, just before the end of the half, Dallas driving and then Dak throws the interception. Niners go back and get the field goal just before halftime. Hey, that's a six-point swing. We're at a seven-point game here. So every little thing mattered here. I don't know. I, I felt like in a way, like we, we of course, are going to do all the narratives because it's Niners, Cowboys. I mean, this was 90s football for me. This is what we, we all of us grew up on watching this. So we're going to read all the narratives into it. But this was just two good teams that both played pretty well. And I think San Fran played a little better. I will say, too, I was a little underwhelmed with the San Francisco offense at times. Key plays were made, no doubt, but you can still see there's hesitation in Kyle Shanahan to completely let let Brock Purdy loose. And we talked about it all week leading up to the game. This was his toughest test as far as a defense he had to face since becoming the starter. We went through the schedule end of the year, Raiders, Cardinals, the he did play well against Tampa, which on paper has a good defense. Seattle twice. Uh, I was a little underwhelmed, and we'll get to the Philly matchup for next week, and we'll see how that factors in. They got to face that team the way they played offensively. We'll get to that, but uh, Brock Purdy made just enough plays and sandwiched the ball into tight spots when asked. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. He uh, he he held the ball a little long again. We noted that last week against Seattle early in the game. And he's, he's, it feels like there, if you could watch back, it felt like there were like four or five plays again, like last week, where we're like a split second away from that mistake where you're like, oh, there we go. Seventh round rookie. There it was. Mm-hmm. We haven't quite got there. There's been late in the season. There were a couple of times where he threw what would have been a huge momentum swing interception. And then it got taken off by a penalty or it got called back for something else or it fell out of the guy's hands. Last week against Seattle, there were a couple of big plays that almost went awry. He held it too long. He tried to play Mahomes and then got away with it. Today, again, there was a couple of those moments. And uh, right before half, he had the play where, like, literally, they're just trying to run the clock, throw the ball out of bounds so they make sure Dallas didn't get a playoff. And he nearly cost the Niners three points in a game where it was six to six and every point really mattered because he – decide to scramble with like seven seconds on the clock when they're just trying to throw it away. So I don't know. It's if you're a Niners fan, obviously the, the man hasn't lost. You can't be upset with it, but you're about to go to Philly. That's a little bit of a different atmosphere than playing at home in San Francisco. And it definitely felt like Shanahan had the training wheels on for at least the first half and into the third quarter. And then Purdy finally got to make a few plays late, but I do think that has to be on your mind. We saw it against a good defense now. Philly's defense is even better, and you get the home field. So I think that's going to be the big story this week. Earlier in the day on Sunday, the Cincinnati Bengals completely blitz the Buffalo Bills in a snow game in Buffalo, 27-10. They were underdogs in this game. The line got to six, fell back to five and a half. It was teetering between those two numbers before kickoff. Under 48 and a half was also the play. I can't help but come away from this game. All the narratives surrounding Buffalo, the DeMar Hamlin angle, how explosive they were week one, Super Bowl favorites pretty much the entire season. I I come away from this saying, look, the Bills never had an identity. And they're so Josh Allen dependent that when they get in a mucky game like this, 
how would they fare? And that offense never got comfortable. And Joe Burrow, that dude is a badass. He mentioned the refund to Tracy Wolfson <laughs> after the refund for the AFC Championship game that will no longer be at a neutral site. You better send those refunds. Now, you'll look just at sack numbers. He got sacked once. Buffalo did pressure him 17 times. But Joe Burrow was was that guy today, Brandon. He was fantastic. Yeah, I felt like, too, it's funny you mentioned the neutral site thing. We, of course, had all the conversation because of the last meeting of these teams that didn't end up happening and what was going to happen, who got home field, one seed, neutral field, all that. I thought the Bills had a home field disadvantage. I thought that's what cost them the game today. They look like, oh, my God, what's the white stuff on the field? What are we supposed to do with this? You're in Buffalo. How do you not know the game plan for a snow game? But it's we got like cover zero blitzes coming, but soft coverage. So we're at the goal line and Burrow just takes a snap and throws it out to chase totally uncovered with like a five yard cushion. Oh, Hey, you picked up the two yards for the first down. Like, what are we doing? You, there's no footing. How do you not know how to play a snow game when you're the Buffalo bills? I thought we needed more like quarterback design runs. We know that's the Josh Allen thing. Of course I thought that cause my prop went awry on it, but Instead, we're dialing up the long, deep passes again, bouncing off guys' hands. Uh, Buffalo, I think because of the snow, couldn't play zone a whole lot because there's a little less time to recover. Joe Burrow is way worse against the zone, so that just kind of can't do much about that, but that's another weather factor there. But I just, to me, it felt like the Bengals had a plan and knew what they were doing in the snow, and it yep. seemed like Buffalo just hadn't prepared for that at all. Like, Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, I thought completely had, had no plan of what to do with the offense. The play calling on the other side, Ken Dorsey was really rough. Lou Anarumo is getting a lot of buzz today because of how he continues to adjust his defense for the Bengals. And I, I thought that was the difference. I thought the coaching was really the big advantage here. And, you know, beyond just that, the Bengals just came into Buffalo and like slapped him in the face. And like, if you didn't know who the home team was, this is one of those games where you would think, oh, this is opening weekend of the playoffs. And oh, the, the poor Bills, they they just, you think they're from like Florida or something like that. They, they're just so cold. They just know they're not going to win. They're just, they're not in it. Just let them go home. They had a nice season. They were home though. Like, I, I don't understand what happened. I just, uh, obviously, a lot of emotion tied to this particular matchup. So maybe there's something there that that we don't know about, um, or, or for frankly, that we do know about, I guess. But it, it really just felt like they kind of no-showed to me. Jill, what'd you make of the the hype going into three offensive linemen, three starters out for the Bengals? They ruled out Kappa as well as Williams. It, it turned out to not be much of an issue. I think Brandon's right on it. There, there was a, there was a plan by the Bengals, and they executed. Yeah, the weather pretty much negated the Bengals' own line issues because the defensive line could not get any footing. And you even saw from the run game, from the Bengals' standpoint, Joe Mixon had only his second 100-yard rushing game of the season. The only other one was when he had, went off for like that four-touchdown game. Other than that, he has not been really effective all season and pretty much was doing whatever he wanted. He was averaging over six yards per carry. And Brandon, you're right, man. It's like the Bills forgot how to play in cold weather. Like it just, they did not know. They completely looked disheveled. Not the shovel pun. We can cut that. That's kind of lame. <laughs> but, but either way, the point that I'm trying to say is, is that in the first quarter, the Bengals pretty much came out and blitzed them because the the Bills only had eight yards 
on seven plays in the first quarter. They had zero first downs. Like they pretty much were down by 14 before they even knew it. And if you go look through the entire season of the game logs of the Bills, they've only been trailing by 10 points twice all season. Like they haven't been trailed. Like they just, they're not really a team, I think, that is designed to come back from a three score game. And once it went up by three scores, you kind of felt like this game was getting out of reach. And especially the Bengals' defensive pressure, they got nearly 60% of pressure on all of Josh Allen's dropbacks. And Joe Burrow, as you mentioned, only got sacked once. The, the Bills, they clearly missed Von Miller. They only got uh, less than 15% of pressure on the quarterback the entire game. That was pretty much the difference, I felt. And uh, yeah, Joe Burrow, again, I think we got to start giving the man respect. I think the snow was more was more of an impact in this game than the snow game when they hosted Miami. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, we got to spend some time here on Buffalo. I just thought, again, they had no identity all season long to Josh Allen dependent. Yeah, one thing too is, Obviously, Joe Burrow, everyone agrees, is a fantastic quarterback. I think coming into this, and I'm not saying one game should change our opinion, but I think the prevailing opinion in NFL circles is it's Mahomes 1A, Josh Allen 1B, or number two, depending how you want to do it, and then Burrow and the other guys after that, right? But I think if you look at the quarterbacks, what is something that Joe Burrow does better than Josh Allen? He's got a little better touch and accuracy. I think most people would say that, but I think what we saw today really was the mental side of the game that Burrow is so good at his quickness in reading. And I'm not taking away from what Allen is. Allen obviously is fantastic at all the things too, but Cincinnati, I thought again, Anna Rumo, the defensive coordinator, they had a lot of kind of simulated pass pr- pressure where one guy would look like he's coming on one side and then the blitz came on the other side. And there was a lot of that happening where I thought Buffalo would do that and confuse Burrow they weren't doing anything. That offensive line, you never know there were guys injured there because Burrow just making decisions and getting the ball out and never had any problem. That mental side, that decision-making, the speed of how fast you get the ball out is how quickly you can read the play, go through your progressions, get the ball to your guys. And I thought, Allen, that was a, a, a flaw that we saw today, that he couldn't make those decisions quick enough or accurately enough in his own mind with the way he's processing, not at the elite, elite level that Joe Burrow has proven he's doing time and again against these top defenses. And I mean, Buffalo did not look like a top defense today. They they had no answers. They could barely tackle. They could not get off the field. 30 first downs for the Bengals. That is a massive number. And yeah, I think they missed Micah Hyde. Buffalo did. We thought he yeah. might get back for that one. Um the one thing I felt confident in this game is I thought at least we know Buffalo is going to score. They always score 10 points. I mean, you, you just can't do Season that. No matter, <laughs> no matter what the defense is doing, you can't come up with 10 points. A, a stat to store away for the future. We talked, uh, I think I mentioned on the best bets episode, teams that won over 75% of their games in this divisional round, were, were, uh, I forget the percentage, but when they play a team like the Bengals, who also won 70% or more, the team that also is very good but is the underdog after this game is now 17-2 and against the spread in the divisional round. So the team that is the big favorite because they had such a gaudy win record, the Bills, if they're playing another team just as good, want to store away for a divisional round, that, that team tends to show up, and boy, did they ever this game. 
Go back to Saturday, Jacksonville, Kansas City. Chiefs get there 27 to 20. It wasn't easy, as we know. And from the opening quarter, we found out this could be a bumpy road for the Chiefs. Jaguars cover plus nine and a half, under 52, 52 and a half. I jumped in on the under the minute Mahomes got hurt. I was like, okay, let's, let's hop in on this because it didn't look good. He stays in the game. This is la- late first quarter. Mahomes, we found out now it's a high ankle sprain. He's already said publicly that he will play in the AFC title game. Of course, there's no bye before that. They played this coming Sunday. He didn't look right, and it could have been worse. He did return to the game. Chad Henney led a touchdown drive in this game. My goodness. And I think Jill said this, Brandon, before we started recording. If you allow a touchdown drive to Chad Henney, you, you'd probably do deserve to lose. Um but yeah, the Mahomes high ankle sprain was what caught everyone's attention early. It would have changed the whole complexion of the game. Of course, he comes back in and they they held on for dear life here. But Kansas City, uh, they had a ground game and they did just enough. It, they, but early on, it looked like, OK, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are ready to go. What do you make of the Mahomes injury and how they withstood that and found a way to pull it out by seven? I mean, hey, you buried the lead here. Our Jaguars covered the late field goal, got us over the cover, had it all the way, right? Jacksonville all the way. Look, you can't take much credit on that one. Jacksonville was getting shredded early on before the Mahomes injury, and it looked like this was going to be pretty ugly. That's what we saw in the first matchup as well. But then after that, uh, I mean, the focus has to be on Kansas City here and, and Mahomes, but Jacksonville really gave away a chance here. Like, not that they were the better team and should have done this, but if you look at the numbers, they're basically even on yardage, basically even on first downs. Kansas City was ever so slightly ahead. It was an even game, a coin flip game, but Jacksonville had the late turnover on the three-yard line. They had another turnover, two offensive plays later. They had chances here. This is a game, look, I know they weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs, right? They weren't even supposed to be in this game. They should have lost the Chargers. You don't know how many chances that you get. Trevor Lawrence, this is basically his rookie year after the Urban Meyer season. It's easy to think, oh, man, we're going to see Trevor and Patrick play so many more times. We don't know. You don't know when you're going to get that chance to face Chad Henney from the two-yard line, make one stop, get the ball back on your half of the field, go down and tie or take a lead, and put some real pressure on a team without Pat Mahomes. And I have to think that they're going to regret this because they, they really lost some chances here. They had the, the drop Christian Kirk deep ball. I thought Doug Peterson was a little off too. He, he stays 7-0 against the spread as a playoff underdog thanks to that backdoor cover. But I thought the aggression, the play calling was a little off all game. And I, we'll get to Chiefs, but am I too harsh on the Jaguars here? It felt to me like they missed an opportunity. Yeah, I definitely agree, Brandon. I mean, they had two turnovers, like under under five minutes to go where they could have scored a touchdown and t- tied at least. And Jamal Agnew is, I mean, he kind of blew it. Like he had such a great kickoff return for that drive. He's been an instrumental part of that offense of being able to get them great field position, which is what you kind of need, those kind of little edges, those little uh, little things, you know what I mean, to be able to just kind of get past uh, a Mahomes-led offense. and. Yeah, just an awful fumble. And then Trevor Lawrence, the throws. I mean, I can't even call it a bad interception because it was a one-handed interception that was just kind of like an Odell Beckham-style interception. So it was kind of pretty by the Chiefs defense. But but at the same time, it was one of those things, again, opportunities. And you're right. Jags probably shouldn't have been there. Like, they, 
probably come back against the Chargers. But I mean, at least they made it interesting. They're going to be a super super popular like dark horse pick for the Super Bowl odds for next year. I'm just more interested now is how bad is this ankle injury going to be? Like, and how can we project it going forward? You know, seeing some um, odds makers out there saying that if Mahomes is healthy, they'd have it at three and a half against the Bengals in the AFC title game. Now we're seeing about minus one and a half right now. And I'm really just not sure what kind of Patrick Mahomes we're going to get against the Bengals next week. And we'll get updates throughout the week. I'm sure Mahomes saying though himself that he will play in the AFC title game. That was the reporting coming out uh, earlier today on Sunday. So Mahomes says he will play. And yes, Chad Henney, 14 plays, 83 yards from the two, six-minute drive that kept the the train on the tracks for the... What a hero. What a hero field goal at the end, though, by Doug Peterson, because some people were questioning, like, you should be going for this. And then he went for the field goal, and you just saw gambling Twitter just, like, have, like, a warm embrace. Like, everybody was just like, you know what? Doug Peterson is for the people. And that was one of those things where everybody was able to cash in on that Jaguars plus nine and a half. Well, and real, and real quick before Brandon jumps in, how about a sweat free Christian Kirk anytime touchdown, my friend? Yes, we did have that. That was nice on the best bets podcast. Gave it out last Thursday. Yeah. I want to say too, about the chiefs. I, I wrote last week at action network, the case for every team left to win the Super Bowl and the case against, and I, I didn't really love my case for the chiefs. I basically made the case that, hey, look, when you have the MVP, and I think we all know Mahomes is going to win MVP this year, the last time an MVP went on to win the Super Bowl that same season, 1999. That's Kurt Warner. That's how long ago this was. (laughs) And it's because the way we give out MVP nowadays is the guy who has to do everything for the team. We talked about the flaw of the Bills and Josh Allen doing that in a lot of ways. That is what I thought the Chiefs were. And I I thought that they were vulnerable in this game of vulnerable going forward because the run game is on and off. The receivers aren't as good without Tyree Kill. The blocking can come and go and was a bit of a problem at times this game. And then, of course, the defense and the special teams this year haven't been that good. Mea culpa, because in this game, I know we're going we're gonna to do all the Mahomes glorification and he made some great plays on one leg and like just he's Mahomes. He's going to, this is add to the lore, the ankle game. It's going to be there. This was a team win. The offensive line won. The power run game. Isaiah Pacheco was awesome. Coaching came through for them. The pass rush was good and put Lawrence under pressure all game. Harrison Butker looked healthy again. Like I, we're talking about a kicker. Yeah, because he's been terrible all year and it's been one huge flaw for the team. And I think that matters a lot as well. So I thought that Mahomes is going to get the credit because quarterback wins and all the fun, you know, that this is what we do. But I thought this was a team win for the Chiefs. And you have to feel a little better as a Kansas City fan, knowing that even when Mahomes isn't ready to do everything, that the team could come through like that. Yeah, credit to Andy Reid, too, for having trust in Henny because Mahomes wanted to go back in. There were some conversations they showed on the broadcast and, Reed was like, no, no, go over there. We got to make sure you're good for the longevity of the rest of this potential run they want to go on. And they got to make sure you're right. And Mahomes, he threw his helmet down. He was animated on the sidelines. He was not pleased. But uh, 
Yeah, complete win. And ironic. Uh, the irony is when we get to the preview of the AFC title game, I, I start to wonder maybe they might miss Tyree Kill after all, based on this injury for yards after catch purposes. We'll get there, though. Let's wrap with Giants, Eagles. Again, we're doing a special hot read for both AFC and NFC title games. So stick around for that. Eagles, Giants, this was a laugher, 28-0 at halftime. Brandon, nice give on the first half. Eagles pick, Eagles cover, four and a half, three and a half is what you gave out on the podcast. Jalen Hurts, right? We we all said it. Let's see what it looks like. First drive, boom, five for five. Look fine. Shoulder looked good. He had said after the regular season ended, I'm really happy we have a bye. Now, he could have just been, you know, giving the media something to chew on there, but he said it himself that, we need this buy because I'm not sure if I could throw as well as I want to in a playoff game. It turns out he looked fine and, uh, you know, pour one out for the Giants. Good season for the Giants. They have nothing to hang their heads about, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, look, this was basically just exactly what we thought this game was going to be. Mm-hmm. This was the Giants couldn't pass block against a great pass rush. Giants couldn't stop the run. And the Eagles did everything that did in that first matchup. They did even better here. So this was... If you like me, you've heard all year, all my DVOA stats. This was a great game for DVOA truthers because this was, here's what the numbers say should happen. This team is way better at all these huge edges. And then the game happened. And that's all the stuff that we saw. Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson, I think both clearly not quite a hundred percent, but also it seemed like they're not really holding the team back a ton, especially play calling. I think they're, they're playing as the Eagles here. And yeah, this was over quickly. Touchdown drives for the Eagles in the first half of eight plays, eight, nine, and 14 plays. The Giants had during that same stretch, three and out three times, and then an interception. And uh, yeah, we were done quickly. Combined first half Eagles-Giants this year was 68 to seven. So I think that pretty much tells you why one of these teams is in the NFC title game and why one of them is going to be paying Daniel Jones perhaps more money than he ought to get. But yeah, thanks to the Giants. Eagles first half hit for us. If you watched on the app, I was also an Eagles first half shout out plus 850 at an Eagles by 21 or more plus 425. Not even a sweat on those. So appreciate the Giants for that. Got a little family game time in the second half. This was a frozen pizza game we would not be talking about if it were not a playoff game. I really don't have anything to offer you guys except for a frozen pizza. They were down 28 nothing and a half, so you pretty much felt like the game was over immediately. And the pass rush, I think, is the key part here because, I mean, Daniel Jones, that was one of the things that the Vikings couldn't really do. They couldn't really get to him, and he was sacked five times in this game. Um, Jalen Hurts, I mean, he looked fine throwing the ball like he wasn't great but didn't need to be like he was still rushed for a touchdown his legs still work obviously um yep. and you know Boston Scott he scored another touchdown I was going to so bring that keep, up you know Scott. <laughs> but they jacked up the odds too because there's a tax when you want to bet on Boston Scott t- touchdowns now in Giants matchups where they would put it down to about plus 300 it would back up to plus 350 and people mm-hmm. still were able to cash in on it but uh brand you you put it right on the head brand when you just said it was a repeat of the week 14 game like only the difference was that the Giants couldn't even put up any garbage time touchdowns to be able to help for anybody who bet on the over. So that was the one thing like where <laughs> the Giants did all, or the Eagles did all the heavy lifting and the Giants just sat there with their thumb up their asses. But I, I think honestly, I, I said this analogy about this game and this is more of a, for a parent analogy of uh, this wasn't a blowout. This was a shit up the baby's back 
type of game <laughs> like where it was such a blowout it, the shit just went right up all the way to the back of their neck like that happens when you have infants and they they drink formula or breast milk they just have the dirtiest poops and that's what this game was it's just it wasn't even a frozen pizza it was a shitty diaper wow that's talk about dvoa we get a breakdown of baby shits on the uh, recap podcast that's that's what we that's what the people come for i thought uh, dallas goddard was good in this game too i thought one of the throws hurts made to goddard in the second half was was great in a game similar to what we discussed i mean jalen hurts uh finding goddard that that's a nice little weapon to have tight ends coming alive in these uh playoffs i know jill's been on tight ends has highlighted tight ends and anytime touchdown scenarios like schultz Dawson Knox didn't get there this week, but uh, the emergence of Goddard good sign when AJ Brown only needs 22 yards to win a game. Well, and that's why Devonte Smith, he was such a popular pick for an anytime touchdown or the overgen yards because he fell right on the number again. Uh, he was right around 64 and a half receiving yards and fell right at 61. I know a lot of guys who bet the over on his receiving yards. And uh, one of those plays was called back on an offensive holding call. So again, a little bit of heartbreak for, I guess, some of the props, even though majority of the over props on the Eagle side did go over. So two wins for dogs, two wins for favorites, four no unders this week. So some market correction after overs, Went five and one in the wild card round, four and zero for the unders. And that game, the game we just talked about, Giants Eagles, maybe had the best shot of going over uh, at the end. But as we found out, the Eagles they burned half a quarter in clock time to to put that game away. Okay, onto the hot read. Hot rock, blue seventeen, oh, nice right, ice cream, Jose, blue the Raiders, nineteen seven, nineteen double, Louisville Soul Train, hot. Conference championships, hot read, first impressions, lines are out. We're looking at FanDuel right now. I'll give it to you uh, real quick. Maybe we'll bite, bite into the Super Bowl odds as well. If there's any edges there, it's really hard to tell. They're all really right there. So San Fran, Philadelphia, the first game a week from today, Sunday, January 29th, 3 o'clock start, Eagles two-and-a-half-point favorites. There's juice on the Philly side. Four, uh, 45 and a half is the total that's moved slightly down from 46 and a half. And then Bengals chiefs at six 30, Kansas city, one and a half point favorite as Jill alluded to earlier. And the total set at 47 and a half. We will start with the three o'clock matchup in San Fran and Philly. Brandon, what do, uh, what comes to mind here? Is there an edge now? Yeah. A couple of things, just the things I've got my eye on here. From Bet Labs, one seed favorites in the playoffs of six points or less, nine and five against the spread. So that obviously is a trend right now for the Eagles and the Chiefs. It wouldn't shock me if we end up getting a road favorite by the time that these lines close in either, probably not both. I don't know if the Niners one's going to move quite that much. But of note, of the five teams that that uh, did not cover, four of those five underdogs that covered won the game outright. So I think if you like an underdog, you probably just go ahead and take the money line on either one of these games. Um, for me, I'm probably not going to be looking to run to the counter with my bets on either of these games early on, just because we've got big injuries this week. And when the lines are this tight and there's really not necessarily a huge edge to gain, unless if you want the Eagles, you got to just go grab it because just in case the line hits the three, you don't want to lose the key number there. But other than that, if you like the Niners, if you're looking at Bengals or Chiefs, 
I think you just kind of have to wait on some of these injury information. We didn't mention with the Niners, I do have my eye a little bit on Christian McCaffrey. He had kind of that heating pad wrap thing around his calf late in the game as the Niners are trying to close things out. They're running Elijah Mitchell, not Christian McCaffrey. So we'll see. You know, we're big on running backs don't matter, but Christian McCaffrey is not just a running back. And in particular, the Eagles defense is vulnerable to the run and particularly vulnerable to pass catching running backs. So I need to see how McCaffrey is going to be. I think that's a big swing factor. My pick for this game right now in the one hot read I would put in, I like the under here. I, under 45 and a half. Like you said, Brandon, we open already a point higher. I think that line may drop a little bit, especially if there is any McCaffrey injury news. If that's a thing, the line maybe goes down a little bit. If there's any other complication for Jalen Hurts or for Lane Johnson, the only way this line moves, I think, is down. And I think points are going to be hard to come by. San Francisco elite run defense. So that's going to make Philadelphia's offense have to work a little bit. And we saw today Brock Purdy face a real defense finally. And like you mentioned, Brandon, their offense kind of stalled. I think this is a low-scoring game. So for right now, I don't have a side yet, but I do like the under here. I think that's probably the one hot read pick I would make right now, under 45 and a half. It's a great call on McCaffrey. And keep in mind, the game was in Santa Clara. It's not like it was freezing cold out and he got hit and was numb. Okay, they're in Santa Clara. Um, and they brought that up on the broadcast. Greg Olson was giving some insight to Kevin Burkhart on what was actually going on there with McCaffrey late in the game. And as a pass catcher, some tight windows over the middle. He was the binky for Mr. Purdy there down the stretch to move the chains and get those key first downs to milk clock and put that game away against Dallas. Jill, I know we don't have any touchdown, uh, anytime touchdown market posted yet, but any edges or any foreshadowing you could provide? Well, the first guy I think you want to look at is on the Bengals, specifically Tyler Boyd, who lines up exclusively in the slot, and maybe even Hayden Hurst as well, because the Chiefs allowed the second most touchdowns in the slot this season. And part of the reasoning of why we took Christian Kirk was pretty much for that, that he lined up in the slot a lot. He was going to get a ton of targets, and that was their weak point. And what did he do? He scored the touchdown and was the leading receiver for the Jaguars. So that would probably be the first angle I'm looking at from a cheap standpoint. I have to see the way that the odds play out. Again, I also have to see if Patrick Mahomes is playing because if it's Chad Henney who is playing, then I'm probably not going to be betting any Chiefs touchdown scores. Uh, but now, if just from a Eagles and Niners standpoint, just from a recency bias and memory, uh, they did play. Uh, it, most of the personnel is the same. It was week two of last season. Niners go in as three-point favorites into the link and win 17-11. So the game would have went way under. It was closed at 44.5. So in that game, I'm not saying we're going to see a lot of the same thing, but that has been a little bit of the Eagles' weakness, even though the the Giants were able to exploit it, is that they had been a little bit more vulnerable from a running standpoint of passes over the middle. Like the outside is pretty much a no-fly zone, so you're not probably going to see much opportunity for a guy like a Brandon Ayuk or maybe even a Jawan Jennings. So, uh, you know, George Kittle, I'd probably say, is the guy you want to look at from a touchdown score perspective from the Eagles' standpoint. I think it's the Kenneth Gamewell game, and the reason being is, 
I think they're going to have to use some of that pass catching back standpoint to be able to chip and block that pass defense, especially if you even go back to that game, Nick Bosa, he had two sacks in that game on Jalen Hurts. That is going to be an issue for them, especially if Lane Johnson shows any signs of injury that he has been showing. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying he was uh, injured really at all uh, in this past week, but he clearly looked compromised a little bit in some plays. So I think that defensive line could cause some pressure uh i mean even jalen hurts was able to score on this defense when they played last so i can imagine only imagine he'll be used quite heavily again in a do or die game yeah of course no aj brown at that point in time for but no christian mccaffrey either so again, right. again that's the key thing of why we have to kind of monitor that injury because you're right both of those guys are key swing talent on this team of what you want to look at either for touchdown scores or even just as far as what the total will be Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw a pick in that game, was not sacked as the starting quarterback. I see here in the box where he ran the ball 11 times. And a touchdown in that game. And a touchdown. (laughs) Purdy's mobile, but he's not of any quarterback remaining. Well, Burrow. They will run him, though. They ran him against Seattle. When they ran him against Seattle, we were all standing in the Action Network offices being like, what are you doing? Like, who's like, we were all just like Googling who the third string quarterback was on the Niners because we were like, why would you risk this? (laughs) So we've seen the Shanahan at the goal line. He will still tend to uh, throw his rookie to the fire. Purdy had three carries for eight yards, which I do think he hit his rushing over. In that game, I think it was hovering around six, seven yards, um, the Dallas game. So, all right, you hinted at some picks there for Kansas City and uh, Cincinnati. That is the late game. They put the AFC title game at 630. Brandon and Edge here, again, I think it's baked in, the Mahomes injury, the fact that it's a Kansas City one-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I think you have to wait on the injury news because obviously we need to see – you know, there's a chance that Mahomes doesn't play. We don't have news on it yet. It's early in the week. It would be obviously shocking if he doesn't at least give it a go and and try to be out there. He certainly will want to play, of course, unless the team decides that, you know, I I think basically he plays and plays through injury unless the team feels like there's a risk that he could hurt himself more long-term. We obviously don't know that, so no need to speculate on it. But I think you have to wait on that and see how functional does he look. Yeah, I kind of looked in my my roster matrix and I have all the positions ranked and everything. And I said, okay, well, what if we get like 75% Mahomes or what if 50% Mahomes? And I kind of gave myself some shades of gray on Mahomes and the chiefs go from the number one offense to either second or fifth or 10th, basically like kind of depending on which version of Mahomes we get. Well, it turns out that matters because Mahomes is really the great equalizer in this matchup. If you take Mahomes away, and not even taking him away, if you make Mahomes mortal, just slightly less Mahomesy, Joe Burrow is the other quarterback. If they right. don't have an advantage at quarterback, and I don't know if they do with whatever version of Mahomes we're going to get, and as good as Joe Burrow is, look at the rest of the roster. The, the Bengals run the ball better. They've got stout receivers. Kansas City is bottom five against wide receiver ones and has really not had an answer for Jamar Chase. The defense, clearly better for Cincinnati. Special teams has been better for Cincinnati this year. Mahomes is the big advantage, even against Burrow, because it's Mahomes and he can do anything. And if you don't have that advantage, I don't honestly even know if the Chiefs are the right favorite in this game. That's kind of my early instinct here. I need to dig into it a little more, so I'm not running to play this right now. All my life that I've known Pat Mahomes, if you said, 
you could just take Pat Mahomes to just win a home game. That's it. Basically, a coin flip home game. Uh, you need say no more. But uh, the pass protection for the Chiefs has not been great. We saw the Bengals D-line dominate today against the Bills, and that was a huge thing. We need to see, too, the Bengals, uh, Jonah Williams and Kappa, either of them could be back for this game. That's another injury situation to keep an eye on. But for right now, I have to lean Bengals here. If you have a less than 100% Mahomes, which we have to assume we're getting at this point, less mobile, leaky pass protection, if you neutralize even 10 or 20% of the Mahomes God factor, hmm. that was the one thing that you have to like the Chiefs for, that in home field. So I feel like I'm leaning Bengals' direction here. I may end up waiting and betting live. I think you get a home field advantage early. You probably get like a shot in Mahomes' ankle to neutralize some of the pain factor early. But we've talked all year about how strong the Bengals have been in the second half. They've covered, I believe now, 23 of 27 second halves. Um, and they've closed out well in all the matchups against the Chiefs, which we're going to hear lots of all this week too. So it's a fun one. We've seen this matchup. If if you don't get Mahomes at 100%, I don't know how you can't kind of look toward the Bengals here. Uh, Joe Burrow, in his career, <clears throat> has covered the second-half spread 70% of the time, 14-4 and four this season, 29-8-1. That's a 78% clip over the last two seasons. It's expected to be very cold, uh, 20 degrees, freezing rain in Kansas City. And Joe Burrow's been great in those games. In the temperatures of 30, 40 degrees or less, he's 9-0 straight up, 7-2 and against the spread. Mahomes in December or later only has three straight-up losses, and one of those losses is to Joe Burrow, which is last year. And I wanted to note, our own Sean Kerner at Action Network was big on Samaj P. Ryan to have a big day in the passing game. He had a great, great game last year in the overtime win for Cincinnati, 27-24 in last year's AFC title game. He had five catches in the Buffalo game, had four grab, four targets, three grabs for 43 yards and a touchdown in that game head-to-head last year with the uh, with the bank, uh, Chiefs. So, okay, that's our early hot read, our super hot read with two games next Sunday. It's weird. It's weird to think like we're done after 40-ish <laughs> minutes of the recap episode. Four recapped uh, games and two hot reads. Fellas, looking forward to our next get-together, which is Thursday for the Best Bets episode. As a quick reminder, you can get a subscription to Action Pro. That's how you get the most out of Action's award-winning app as of right now. Action is offering a pro subscription at 40% off. This is only being offered during the NFL playoffs. So if you don't already have Pro, now is the best time to subscribe and unlock all the best features of the Action Network app. We will be back for Best Bets. Uh, that is the Action Network podcast for you. We are presented by FanDuel. Tune in later in the week as well for Raybon and Kerner. They have their special player props episode, Raybon and Stucky, with their Sunday six-pack. They'll also have the betting preview earlier in the week. Luke Swain, Vegas Refund, will join myself, Jill, and Brandon for Best Bets business as usual. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Good luck with your bets this week. Thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. 
If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.